0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two amazing human beings, Paul Jaceley. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm super glad that you're here. This week we are is a Goodreads read book. I don't know how we actually present this Goodreads group read book. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about a book um, after the break. But before we get to that, let me ask the question I ask every week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with Paul. It's been a minute since you've been on the show, man.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, I'm sort of moved into my new apartment. I finally unloaded a bunch of comics and put them on the bookshelves, so it's I'm feeling like home, finally. Um, and right. um, once the
0: comics come out, then you know that you're home. Exactly.
1: Um, they've got piles everywhere. Piles of floppies all over the house, so it, yeah, it's comfortable. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, this week I've kind of been catching up on a lot of stuff, reading a lot of random old comics. Some of the highlights that I'd like to discuss today are Dark Days, the Forge Number One. This is the mm-hmm. prelude to the big DC metal Dark Days. Whatever I'm not—is it an event? I'm not sure. It's an alternate universe thing, right? Kind of, kind of. I think um, they're
2: certainly promoting it the way you promote an event.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it. I. I enjoyed it, but I realized that it's made for someone like me who is kind of a lifelong DC fan slash continuity nerd. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of deep cuts and Easter eggs and references. I mean, the big reveal at the end, I guess, kind of spoilery, is that it relates very deeply to the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. So it seems no Ooh. matter how many times DC reboots or relaunches, the multiverse is always going to come back. <laughs> um, but you, you got Scott yeah. Snyder and James Tinian Fourth writing it, and the artwork, all the pencils are done by Jim Lee, Adam Kubert. Is it Adam or Andy? Adam's the one that works for DC, Ad, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I Andy Kubert's the, the older guy. I can't remember that. Right. I never remember.
1: And then uh, John Romita Jr. Their art styles don't really mesh together that well, but... They're all sort of big-name artists, and I do like that DC is really focusing on that and saying, hey, it's an event comic. We're going to throw our biggest artists on it, uh, make it feel important. So I enjoyed that. The highlight for me was Mr. Miracle showing up. Anytime that character shows up, I I, I love it. That's totally my jam. So Mm -hmm. speaking of Mr. Miracle, one of the dollar store, I'm sorry, dollar bin finds I found recently was Action Comics number 593. This is from 1987, written and drawn by John Byrne. This is the infamous issue in which Superman is being mind-controlled by an alien named Sleaze who's trying to force him to make an adult film with Big Barda, (laughs) who, of course, is married to Mr. Miracle. (laughs)
3: What? (laughs) comics. What? The 80s. What the hell?
1: (laughs) Yep. It's not nearly as uh, fun or as uh, uh, titillating as you might Expect. Um, it's just <laughs> sure. a very strange comic. Um, luckily, Mr. Miracle shows up and stops it before anything uh, lascivious happens between Superman and Big Barda. But it's one of those <laughs> comics that, you know, when they do the list of like weirdest moments in Superman history, that always shows up. And uh, it was only a dollar. So there's that. And now you have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of dollar bin finds, though, this was a good dollar bin gem that I found recently. It was Kill Your Boyfriend. This is a Vertigo one shot written by Grant Morrison art by Philip Bond back in 1995 it was funny i bought this at the shop and um at my local shop here found it in the dollar bin, went to the counter and the um the guy at the shop who can be a little ornery at times um it's mm-hmm. the the Kirby, Kirby Tardy, the owner of Tardy's here in Grand Rapids. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: If he acknowledges your presence, you're in. You're in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've
1: been going there for years. I'm just kind of used to you know that. Um, but it's funny. I, I had this in my, my stack of comics. And he lit up when he saw it. He's like, this is in the dollar bin? And I said, yeah. And he's like, this is a good comic. And he started flipping through it and says, yeah, this is a really good comic. So that was <laughs> about the biggest seal of approval I could think of for a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a story about two sort of uh, teenagers in London who run away from home and get into all sorts of mischief. It's Grant Morrison in the nineties. It's uh, a lot of stuff about breaking out of society and changing your per- perception through various chemical means. It's a really good comic. I think if you find it a dollar bin or find it cheap on Comicsology, it's well worth it. Very fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also read Betty and Veronica number three by Adam Hughes it finally came out this book takes about three months between issues because it's Adam Hughes doing the artwork um, right. it's, it's a really fun book very tongue in cheek Betty versus Veronica uh, Veronica's dad um, Hiram Lodge uh, is going to buy out Pop's chocolate shop and turn it into a coffee chain uh, and oh, the no. town rallies be- behind Pop to save it and um, uh, it's it's fun stuff. I like that. It's very tongue in cheek and very self referential. Hot dog, uh, Jughead's dog is sort of the the narrator of the book and serves as the Greek chorus, like telling you what's <laughs> okay. going on. It's okay. great. And I mean, Adam Hughes is an artist who is, uh, I think usually does covers. It's really cool to see do see him do interiors because his interior artwork oh, right, is really really great. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. And then I've also been reading a bunch of Warlock comics. This is Adam Warlock. Uh, by Jim Starlin. I got the collection of all the Jim Starlin, Adam Warlock comics that Marvel did in the 70s. And this is basically like prog rock superhero comics. Um, So I've been (laughs) listening to a lot of prog rock lately, like, yes, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, King Crimson. And this book is a lot like that because it's a very uh, heavy handed, not subtle allegory about religion and uh, the nature of good and evil. Every panel looks like it could be turned into a blacklight poster or airbrushed on the side of your van. <laughs> it's way more complicated than it needs to be, and it probably makes a lot more sense if you're stoned. But I'm really, really enjoying it. It's been—it's a, a nice change of pace from the usual stuff. We've all suffered from comic book burnout time, time and time again. So, oh yeah, I'm glad I found some some older stuff that I've been digging. So, uh, what about you, Kate? What have you been reading?
2: I. Uh Okay, so this, this starts with a story. Once upon a time, there I was sitting with my iPad and I open up the Comixology app for a quick 10-minute break while working on this big project I have to do. And I get this message that pops up saying, congratulations, your seven-day trial of Comixology Unlimited has begun. Enjoy. <laughs> and I'm like, hold up freaking out like oh no because I've been sitting on this right on purpose because I know like the the limits of my self-control are of not signing up for Comixology Unlimited Mm -hmm. and so of course this shows up like right before my midterm right before you know when a big projects do I'm just like oh okay so what I read this week is a whole ton of trades and I listed (laughs) five of the top ones here you read
0: Um, more than this in one week
2: I have problems, Mike. (laughs) I literally sent Mike a text like, what have you done? (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Oh, it's your monsters over there. Just monsters. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Although, I gotta say, as fun as it is, the, the huge drawback I'm seeing to Comixology Unlimited is you get into a series and then it stops being on there. Like the first one right. or two trades. And then it's like, ugh, to the point where now I'm looking and I'm like, if I can't keep going, why would I start? Which I get from a marketing perspective. Of course, you want to hook people on the series and then have them pay more to read farther. But right. it's kind of annoying. When, when it's pitched as basically unlimited comics reading, it's not what I expected. But <laughs> I don't know. It's still fun and mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So I read uh, Batwoman Volume 3, World's Finest, which actually that one was my own collection, not um, Comicsology Unlimited. I picked that up again because it's Pride Month, hooray, and that's the trade where Kate asks Maggie to marry her and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also happens to have Wonder Woman in it because it's when they're hunting Medusa together.
3: Yeah. And it's huh. Ugh, a the fantastic, arc. it is fantastic, oh <laughs> it is so
2: beautiful, everyone should read it. Uh, this is the, uh, what year was that? I don't remember what year that was, but this is New 52 Batwoman with J.H. Uh, Williams three writing and uh, W. Hayden Blackman writing and, oh wait, Williams was doing illustrating and writing. Okay, yeah, <laughs> anyway um dave stewart on colors is just incredible and guy major does some of the colors too if you haven't read the new 52 batwoman i would ha- just remedy that immediately read through until those guys go off the book after that you can skip it but um, <laughs> right. yeah. also for pride month i read queer a graphic history which it's by meg john barker with uh illustrations by julia sheil And I definitely, in retrospect, call this an illustrated novel instead of a graphic novel, because it's mostly Mm -hmm. a nonfiction book with then lots of pages have like a one panel illustration. And they do do like they are fantastic illustrations. Whenever you can draw real people and have them be recognizable, like kudos to you. That is hard. Um, And they do a good job of making the illustrations add to the book instead of just illustrate what's already been described. So you learn more from reading the cartoon panels, but they're not sequential. It's always just one panel kind of thing. Mm. So
3: gotcha. that was
2: interesting though. If you have any interest in queer theory, I'd, I'd recommend that as kind of a primer to kind of get you started on reading more. It's definitely a very, very 101 kind of book. I also read Invincible Volume Two, which we've talked a about a bunch about on the show in the past, so I won't go into much. But it's wonderful. Just ask Mike.
0: Oh, Invincible! <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it kind of is the most fun ever. Uh, X Men Volume Three: Bloodlines. This is back in two thousand fourteen when Brian Wood was writing it, and it was the all women team, and. <laughs> Uh, this is this is when stealing that baby comes back to bite Jubilee in the butt, kind of, except not really, because <laughs> it's like she's still the hero saving this baby from it. what turns out to be a fil- villainous father, but she didn't know yeah. that when she stole the baby, so... Yeah, she
0: still just stole the baby <laughs> she without... She still just stole yeah. the
2: baby. She's like, it's mine! He's like, no, it's literally my child. It's not yours. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was a fun arc. Actually, I like that volume more than the other two before it. Um, mm-hmm. But that was the last one Brian Wood did. The series switched over to a new team after that. So, And then finally, I read Wonder Woman Volume 1, Who is Wonder Woman? The 2008 uh, start of that series by Alan Heinberg with Rachel and Terry Dodson on art. <laughs> and... The story's great but the art is so ridiculous i kept sending screen caps to friends because Mm -hmm. it was just i sent a bunch to mike i was like that's not how butts work that's just not (laughs) that's not how spines
0: there's a lot of she has scoliosis right yeah her superpower
2: (laughs) is scoliosis because she has like that booty pop to the point where you should get it checked out (laughs) And it made me really appreciate Thompson's Wonder Woman art on that book we're about to discuss later because, (laughs) holy crap, like there were so many panels where, because she's fighting like all these female villains from her past, which is fun that they bring all these women back, but like, Mm -hmm. when you consistently cut off their faces so it's just cleavage, tons of cleavage in the panel, that's, that's a little objectifying, I'd say, a little. So, you should
0: listen to yeah. last week's episode of I, I, I Read yeah, Comic Yeah, I, I
2: literally listened to that right after reading this book, and I was like, have I got a comic for you guys? <laughs> so, which, I mean, other than that, the art is great, which is kind of disappointing, because it could have been so much better if they just left that bit out. But mm-hmm. whatever. Gotcha. So, how about you, Mike?
0: Oh, I've I've read some stuff. I haven't re- read nearly as much as either of you. <laughs> um, I, I feel, sh- I like, shameful in comparison. But... Um, I did manage to sit down and read a bunch of books. Um, I read Iceman number 2, Cena Grace with Alessandro Vitti. This book kicks ass, everyone should be reading Iceman. It's Kitty, in this issue, it's Kitty and Bobby, or or, sorry, Kitty Pride and Bobby. Um, They team up to help a kid out in the middle of nowhere. Um, As usual, Iceman, aka Bobby Drake, is a total doofus, and this book is absolutely fantastic. I love that else to he's say about not it.
2: like an obnoxious, characterized doofus in this series, though. Like, there's right, a lot of right. series with Ice Man where he's so dumb and just ditzy that I can't handle it and I hate him. And this one, he's yeah. just a lovably doofus as opposed to obnoxiously doofus. There's a fine yeah. line there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I was telling a friend of mine the other day about how you know. If you like Peter Parker, you probably like Iceman, but at the same time, like Iceman isn't as like quippy or funny as Spider-Man, but that's why when they team up and they hang out, it's perfect because you get bad jokes with good jokes um, <laughs> because Bobby is all bad jokes yeah, all, the time. all the time, terrible puns. <laughs> like You know that he's trying too hard, but he's kind of like obviously trying too hard, and it, it totally works. <laughs> um, Iceman, it's a fantastic book. It's probably the second best X-Men book right now. Um whoa, if I had to rank whoa. them. If wow. I had to rank Them's them.
2: fighting words, which are you saying is better?
0: We'll get to that, okay? We'll <laughs> okay. <get to> that. <laughs> okay. Um, I also read God Country number six. This is the last issue of the Donnie Cate's Jeff Shaw book. This book oh, was perfect. Fantastic ending, fantastic story, like very, very close to tears at the end of this book. Like I did not think I could get so hooked in in six issues, and yet I did top-notch story. If you have not read God Country, you need to go get this trade when it comes out or go back and find the last 5 issues and buy number 6.
2: Wait, so this is a mini?
0: It's a mi- yeah, I didn't realize I didn't it was realize a mini series. a mini. Huh. Yeah, and it ended and I was like, "Oh my lord, like top-notch storytelling." I tweeted about this the other night and but like, you know, we we always say we want mini series, we want books that have endings, and mm-hmm. this is a perfect example of a concise well-delivered, beautiful, phenomenally, like, like Wells character developed story. Um, God Country is just six issues. I could have maybe seen this go into 12 issues, but six was, the way they ended it, wrapped it up with five and six, it was perfect. Like, they didn't need any more. Any less would have been, like, doing a disservice to the story. This is absolutely perfect. So, go buy this book. I highly recommend it. Um, another book that ended at issue six that I read was Reborn. And this is the Mark Miller, Greg Capullo book. And and these guys are only laughing because my notes.
2: (laughs) Tell us how much you loved it, Mike. (laughs) So I wrote
0: blah. Blah. Yeah. Because the ending of this book was awful. At least, I don't know for me. This like not even Capullo's art could really save this book from being a shitty bow tie wrapped fish for a movie deal. Um, where all <laughs> it seemed like Mark Miller wrote this book if only to just get the movie rights out there. Like it it wraps up in in the way that every bad action movie wraps up. Um, Yeah, there was a woman who was the protagonist, and yeah, her whole dependency was on, like, finding men in her lives to make her stronger. Like, I I don't know. Like, there were some really cool moments that they think, cool things they did in the first three issues that had me, like, I kept going. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. This is really nice. And then issues five and six just fell flat on their faces. I felt like maybe five was just kind of an off issue. They're going to wrap this up really well. And instead, it was just, I don't know, it felt so... So phoned in. It felt so canned. And mm-hmm. I I really was disappointed in this series. Um, hmm, that's too bad. They say, they say at the end that this book's going to return, and I will not be fucking picking it up. <laughs> so, just want to say that. Uh, I read X-Men Gold 5 and 6, and uh, Arc 2 ended with issue 6, so... They've done two three-issue minis, mini-arcs, I guess, in the middle for the first six issues, and I'm totally okay with that. I think that the way that the story has been progressing and the, and the way that Guggenheim has been writing this book has been super great. Um, this is, as, as they promised from issue one, we're getting back to basics with the X-Men, and what better way to do that than take some classic X-Men, throw in a few new ones, and just tell a story of the X-Men trying to be the X-Men you know protect themselves from evil doers who want to eliminate them you've got a crazy person on the news talking about how every problem in the world is caused by the mutants and even when the mutants are saving the day they look out they they're depicted as the bad guys I mean this this feels like what I when I think of the X-Men like what type of story it should be and I know that this if the story feels like it's building to something bigger like they've been hinting at this thing about um, some humans trying to turn the general public on the X Men, even though they keep saving the day, and the people on the ground are saying, "Oh wow! If, they, if it wasn't for the X Men, we'd be screwed." Um, but yet, we we are still seeing this like n- negative depiction of them on the news in the book. Um, I'm not excited that issue seven is going to be a secret empire tie-in because I don't really care. Um, But nonetheless, I'm really excited to see what Guggenheim does with this book. And the only saving grace I think that this book will have when it comes to the secret empire tie-in is that this whole like, I don't know, like fascist cap. I really don't know what the hell's going on in Secret Empire, so I'm, I'm kind of guessing. But I think that the narrative they've been showing about, like, the general public or the news media or people with power trying to depict the X-Men negatively, um, I think that could t- potentially tie into this greater narrative that Guggenheim is telling about the X-Men doing good deeds but de- still being depicted as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they could really, like grow that exponentially with this Secret Empire tie-in. So I'm hoping that's the direction they go. They don't try to actually bring Cap in or, you know, Sam Wilson or somebody to say, well, whose side are you on, X-Men? And they're going to say, neither, because we got our own fucking problems, Um, (laughs) which is pretty much the X-Men MO, which would be pretty classic if you really get back to it. So I really love what X-Men Gold is doing. This is the book that I think is the best X-Men book. Um, So... Yeah, I'm really. I love this book. I can't. I can't sell it enough. If you really, I've been telling people if you want to start reading X Men, read X Men Gold. It is a double shipping book, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad book by any means. It is like every issue is jam packed with content, and it's very very good.
2: Yeah, it does okay. not read at all like a book that's double shipping.
0: Yeah, they they keep the pace pretty pretty good i don't know i think the pace is pretty well, and solid the quality
2: on this usually that's where you can really tell you're like oh they're they're churning this one out aren't they so. yeah
0: yeah it feels like they've been they must have been working on this for a while to try to lay out a story this yeah. well yeah.
2: so that's well, me some of the art pa- like some of the issues like every art panel has a ton of buildings and tons of characters in it and you're just like this would take yeah. forever to sketch all these scenes so yeah
0: yeah hm. really digging it um, but anyways, let's talk about what's coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are releasing on June 28th, 2017. What are you both excited for? Let's start with Kate. What's your pick?
2: Uh, my pick for the week is X-Men Blue number six. This is the X-Men Ooh. title with ri- being written by Colin Bunn with art by Ray Anthony Height. And it's the end of the first arc, so I am actually behind on this book. I've read one through three, and I'm really excited to be able to sit down with four through six and finish it all at once. Because binge reading comics, am I right? Um, well, isn't
0: isn't Blue like doing the same fun. kind of thing as isn't it doing the same thing as Gold, where they did like the first three issues was a story arc, and then the next three issues was a story arc? Because yeah, the, yeah, they did. Yeah, Issue 3 kind of wrapped up its own, like, we'll see you again, X-Men, and then but the bad guy flew away.
2: It's very, like... So, okay, so may, I haven't finished it. I, I haven't even started the second mini-arc, if you will, but they're, I go by what it counts as it constitutes a trade as how much they're considering as, like, their full arc. And so the trade, when it comes out, is going to be X-Men Blue 1 through 6. Right. And mm. it does feel, to me, an X-Men Gold, at least, where it is, like, a continu- it. It doesn't feel like the clean and break that you get with the big, bigger arc, where it's like more like, we finished this battle, and now we're going to this battle. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, But you're right, they do have these mini arcs or whatever. But um, X-Men Blue, to me, is the much more lighthearted one so far. Which is kind of funny that they're in Mandrapor and being lighthearted, but they're, it's just because yeah, it's the yeah. kids, and so they're more trying to... This is this is all the time time travel X-Men kids... Um, and it just it's it's just the younger X-Men feel versus the older adults you know I don't know I'm still so in love with McKelvey's uh, costume designs for these guys that I can't get over it so
0: yeah it's a very (laughs) fun book
1: so there's different teams for the two books? I'm sorry, I, I mean... Yeah, I'm so, so each, oh, yeah. each
2: X-Men book follows a, either a different individual, which those are obvious because it's the title character, right. or the team. So the X-Men gold is like the main core in present day of adults, and that's Kitty Pride's team. And then blue is... Remember how um, Beast brought back Jean Grey and Ice... Like the original core X-Men... Um, All those guys, but as teenagers, back before they, you know, died or destroyed horrible things and made everyone hate them. (laughs) 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 Cyclops. And so they all come into this world and that's when, you know, lots of stuff happens with that. But now they're like, we can't hang out with you guys anymore. We're going to go do our own X-Men thing. We need to figure out what our lives are separate from just being told what our lives were kind of thing. So they're off... Trying to be an X Men team, and of course Magneto is helping them. Like, I don't know. Question mark? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's what they're doing. Huh. Well, they did
0: a whole they did a whole bullshit thing about justifying <laughs> Magneto in the story. It's so,
2: Jean Grey so, read his mind, and he's totally legit.
0: It's so, <laughs> so X Men. Oh my god, <laughs> it
2: is, so it is X-Men. very X Men. <laughs> well, and it has much more of the. The, the tone is much more you're reading a book about, you know, I don't know, they look like 14, but I don't know how old they're supposed to actually be. Yeah, that they kind look of very thing. young. And okay. in that kind of figuring out who you are kind of thing versus the the X-Men gold, which is much more like figuring out how to survive as X-Men in this world that hates us kind of thing. Yeah. More of the discrimination X-Men vibe. <laughs>
0: Glad, got and, it. Yeah, and like one of the primary Points of this I- or series is that, you know, they're all haunted by their adult selves. Right. Right. You know, like Cyclops knows what he becomes. Gene Grey knows what she becomes. Iceman is actually doing better than older Iceman, which is kind of funny um, because he's comfortable with himself, with him, like who he is, being, being gay, and he has a boyfriend, <laughs> and he's kind of like a well adjusted adult compared to adult Bobby, who's like, I don't even know what I'm doing, which is why the X Men or Iceman series is so great. Yep. Um, you know, and Beast is you know he realizes that science isn't completely the answer um and angel has fire wings now so it's a whole okay. it's it's a very interesting approach to to an x men book yeah
2: sure. i love i love mystic beast he's all into like magic now and stuff and it's like yeah. oh. Oh.
0: interesting <laughs> he's into like the the science behind magic which is kind yeah. of a cool thing <laughs> um yeah x men blues is amazing though oh. yep. good pick kate what about you? What about you, Paul? What's you, your pick this week?
1: Uh, well, this is—I swear—this is a real comic that is coming out this week. Uh, it is the Batman Elmer Fudd special number one one-shot, um, and I'll be honest—I'm picking it because it is a Batman comic written by Tom King, so I had to pick it. <laughs> yeah. right? I'm obligated to. Um, yeah, but it's Tom King uh, writing it. Lee Weeks on art, and it is Batman. Uh, being hunted, I guess, by Elmer Fudd. <laughs> so, it's not. It's not rabbit season. It's not duck season. It's bat season. Um, I, you know, I've read a handful of these DC Warner Brothers. I'm not sorry. DC Hanna Barbera crossovers. I guess this is Warner Brothers. I can't keep my cartoon universes straight. This is Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're really fun. Um, I really enjoyed the Banana Splits one, which was Hanna-Barbera, I guess, uh, from a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Um, and again, you got Batman being written by Tom King. And I like that Tom King is able to kind of do the sillier Batman stuff without it being too tongue- or, tongue-in-cheek or self-referential. I mean, I imagine that if Elmer Fudd shows up, it's not going to be grim and gritty. Um, it'll oh, still God. be kind Oh, I fun. want the
2: grimmest and the grittiest <laughs> Elmer Fudd, please. Elmer.
1: <laughs> Elmer Fudd returns. Uh, yeah, Elmer It's Fudd. just
2: him disemboweling Batman for, like, four <laughs> oh <my> panels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's how you field dress Batman. Like, uh, um. uh, but, yeah, so uh, I'm very curious about this one. There are a few other ones coming out this this week. I think that there's a Lobo Roadrunner book coming out this yeah. week. I think yeah, the yeah. – and then last week you had the uh, Martian Manhunter and Marvin the Martian one-shot um, these are just a lot of fun, and they do. It's and I I appreciate that DC's not just phoning these in. They do put their high quality creators on these books. I mean, again, the guy who's writing the main Batman book is writing this book. It's not just some you know guy doing a fill in. It's Tom King. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Weeks is no slouch on art. I'm sure it's going to look yeah. great as well. So. I just- <laughs>
0: How's he gonna draw Elmer Fudd? Like he's <laughs> he's such a like talented like artist, and I've seen him do Batman before, <laughs> so I'm really curious how he's gonna do just all the roundness of <laughs> Elmer Fudd. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think that I've seen like the cover image or one of the the cover images, and it is just a silhouette of Elmer Fudd stalking Batman, <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, so there's this, and I think there's also a uh, Jonah Hex Yosemite Sam. One shot, which if that's on the stands at my shop, I might need to grab that one, too. So these books are just a lot of fun. Uh, they don't take themselves too seriously, but at the same time, they are, you know, top quality talent doing these one shots. So mm-hmm. and of course, it's a Batman book. We had to break up the X-Men talk so I could talk about Batman. This episode. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, Mike, what are you reading this? this yeah, let me bring
0: week? it back to the X-Men talk. <laughs> um, there, I do have a lot of books coming out this week. I'm, I'm really excited for it, but I am. Um, very, very excited for Jean Grey number three. Uh, this book is—it's all over the place, but I'm totally fine with that. I—I I think Dennis Hopeless is doing a great job writing Jean Grey as this as this teen girl who doesn't really understand her place in the world. She's the leader of this X-Men Blue team, but at the same time, she's haunted by the idea that she may one day become the Phoenix, and that's kind of been the story that we've been following so far in this series. That. Um, the Phoenix is still out there, and it may try to latch onto her. It may try to latch onto Hope Summers. It may try to latch onto Rachel Gray. Um, no one really knows because one, this is the X Men, and that's just the Phoenix is out there. It's always there, like looming. And two, like Jean doesn't even know if if this is really something that can affect her because she's out of time. She's displaced. Um, like, like we found out, and I'll leave a little bit of spoiler warning here for x-men blue we did find out that the old x-men the like the Jean gray like the classic x-men who are now in the present can't go back in time they found out that somehow things are back to normal in the 60s where they came from so trying to figure herself out like so this book gets real deep into Jean trying to figure herself out while also being a superhero um, last issue she ran into hope summers which is a whole bunch of fun. They did the thing that I'm so glad that they did. Which, um, spoilers for last issue, but uh, <laughs> where Hope Summers and Jean Grey walk and in walk into each other, and and I think Jean says, "People say we look alike. I don't understand it." And they're side by side at the panel, and the only difference is that Jean has shorter hair. Like they look exactly the same. It's it's pretty funny because like th- there's the problem with the X Men is that there are so many you know <laughs> like redheaded younger women on their teams that they oh, all end true. up blending together it's like <laughs> there's jean gray there's rachel gray hope summers um one of the cuckoos is now redheaded um and so you put them all in a room and you'd get totally confused because artists can't draw You know differing people i mean and there's subtle differences but on the whole from a distance you'd probably be confused as to who which redhead was rich um so i i thought that was really good but this book is is really fun um issue three she's going to meet namor um and the core reason why she's going to meet namor is because he was one of the five that were possessed by the phoenix way back um in the aftermath of avengers versus x-men So she's trying to figure out, is the phoenix coming after her, what is it like, and how do you maybe prevent it? Mm -hmm. Um, But Namor has not been seen since the end of Secret War, so it's going to be really interesting to see how he is now, because Black Panther was trying to kill him, everyone was trying to kill him because he betrayed everyone, Um, and so he's at supervillain status which will be um, really, really cool to see how this plays out. So I'm, I'm really excited for this book. Um, I'm just glad that no one picked clue number one as their book this week. <laughs> uh, which is We're not like, animals, Mike. Based yeah. off of the fucking board game, there's a comic book coming out. And then there's that book from uh, Black Mass called Calexit, where the state of California decides to depart from the United States. Uh, it's a little, little on the nose, I think. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Don't but, leave us. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just, I can't really see how that book's going to progress, like, for six issues, collects it, that is, Um, (laughs) but it's very much like, what if a fascist blah, blah, blah person ran the country and California decided, well, we don't want to be a part of it, Um, and I just, it kind of like face palm just reading the description, so I'm sure the book will be great, so anyone out there (laughs) who reads that, let me know, maybe I'm completely wrong.
1: Yeah, see?
0: I mean, I have an open mind. Or at least try to. I mean, if you can some There's an X in the name, so if you can send my tie back to X-Men, you've got me. <laughs> As I said a little bit earlier in the episode, this is a Goodreads reads. Book club read of the month <laughs> thing.
2: Such a toad and toaster. It's, a good read. Read, yeah. Good reads. Read. It's it's a hard thing to say. It's, it's our uh, book of the month.
0: It's our book mm-hmm. of the month episode, uh, where everyone on our Goodreads group uh, submits some ideas. Kate, with her magnificent powers of the internet, randomizes those ideas and picks the top five. Um, By top five, I should say she picks five of them from the random set, and we vote on them. And the one that has the most votes uh, is the winner. And for this month, we read Wonder Woman, The True Amazon by Jill Thompson, with lettering by Jason Arthur. This is an all-ages original graphic novel, so not serialized. It was strictly published as is in one full book. And it basically is an origin story of Wonder Woman and takes some of the Greek mythology and some of the DC history and mythology behind Wonder Woman and mashes it together to tell this very, very beautiful story. Like, the art in this book is phenomenally top notch. But before we dive into that, um, we actually wanted to take a second to say, you know, I wanted to talk to Kate and Paul and I guess give you guys a little bit of background about where we are with Wonder Woman and how much we've read of Wonder Woman, how much we know going into this book. Not that it would really affect your perception, but if you know a little bit more about Wonder Woman, maybe you'd get some things a little bit differently than people who knew nothing about Wonder Woman. So, to start, Kate, why don't you give us your background, what you've read of Wonder Woman in the past.
2: Yeah, I feel like coming into this, I was a little biased because I already have a version of Wonder Woman that I like because just like any character that's been around forever, there's different, I guess, iterations of the character, right? And so I've read – I read the New 52 run um, where she – is a demigod and that whole thing where she takes over the mantle of war and it's awesome and then it stopped being awesome because that series went on way too long. (laughs) And It was definitely one where it's like, why didn't you put it out of its misery? (laughs) Um, And then I've read, like incidentally in a lot of DC books, like she shows up in my Batwoman like I talked about earlier, but then like the New 52 Justice League books I read she was in um, and that kind of thing. So, and then the the one uh trait i I described earlier with the kind of awful art um so that's that's like I guess I came to this really liking the more nuance the the very likable but more nuanced character of Wonder Woman, where she's conflicted because she isn't of the gods and she isn't of the human world. she's kind of this weird in between bridge um like she's essentially the enforcer of the gods but not really because she refuses to be and she can't kill but she's supposed to protect and how do you protect without like that that kind of character is what's interesting to me so that's where i was Mm -hmm. coming from to this Mm -hmm. which this is definitely a much more simplified version of wonder woman in her origins and very straightforward because it's an all ages book so I I wasn't as into it. I think that's that's what affected my perception more. Is just that like okay. coming into it with a version I liked already, <laughs> and then this is different, and you go, "Ooh, different. I don't like <laughs> yeah. different. This is comics. <laughs> okay. I want more of the same yeah. for thirty years."
0: <laughs> well, yeah. So before we get into before we get into our feelings and yeah. thoughts about yeah. this book, Paul, what is your take? What's your history with Wonder Woman as a character?
1: You know, I have to confess, I've never really read a lot of her solo series books, but obviously as a big DC fan, she's always kind of there in all the events. She shows up in the Justice League. so that's. I've read different versions of that character, and what's interesting is that every person that does their take on her solo series will change the character. So, you know, you do have the version of the character that the classic version where she was made out of clay and became a real person, you know, magically turned into Diana. You have the New 52 version, which I read a few issues of and didn't really work for me, where she is Zeus's daughter, I guess, or she's a demigod. Um, I did read the first, like, 12 or so issues of the more recent Greg Rucka DC Rebirth run, which that origin story I really liked because he kind of, Rucka was able to kind of rectify those different versions and say, well, look, there's, someone's messing with Diana's memories. So all these versions are, quote-unquote, true and real you know but they all Mm -hmm. kind of like fit together in a weird way and um i've also you know so I've, i've always found the character appealing but i don't really have a real version that i'm very like fond of, or say is the true version or the true Amazon, you know. Um, so <laughs> one could say, you know, get the you fuck know. out of here with that. <laughs> um, I I should note that you know the the one version I was kind of really expecting to like and identify with was the Grant Morrison Earth One one shot that came out, I think, last year, whereas Grant Morrison finally doing his big Wonder Woman story after done the, you know, uh, all-star Superman and his long Batman run, he finally got to do the third, quote-unquote, part of the DC trilogy, you know, or Trinity. And that just felt like a very paint-by-numbers origin story. Yeah, that did not get
2: good reviews.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. It looked lovely because you have uh, uh, Winnick Paquette, that's his name, right, On, uh, on art. It looked very good. Um, but it was the standard, hey, look, Steve Trevor shows up and Diana's going to go visit the world of man and become yeah. a superhero. It's it was not very inspiring. So I came to this book knowing it was an out of continuity one shot. And I kind of like wanted that. I wanted a version of the character that was more, quote unquote, pure yeah. and not sort of trying mm-hmm. to rectify all the different past history and continuity stuff. Yeah, that's always nice gotcha.
2: for any character when you get kind of a clean, yeah, a clean story.
0: Gotcha. Well, for me, I mean, I I think about a year ago, maybe a little less, um, I'm in another book club with some people at work. So I've been trying to just push my coworkers to read more books than just their one book that they read or something, um, or no books in some cases. And so at one point, we did a, there was a, hey, let's do a Wonder Woman month. Let's read some origin stories of Wonder Woman because I think the movie had been announced and um, everyone was really excited about it. So I went through and I went through a ton of bad backlog of just like what are some Wonder Woman origin stories that you should read so we grabbed the first ever issue of sensational comics or the first ever issue with Wonder Woman in it um, and then another Wonder Woman number one from like the 60s like basically all the original DC origins that had Wonder Woman in it and then there was like a Greg Rucka run there was a a, uh, what was it Greg Rucka's first run I think where he did a little (laughs) bit of origin there was some um Gail Simone and there was one from the 80s like that was really bombastic insane um I think it's like considered like I can't remember who did it. they did it was like, like the big, George Perez, George Perez, because George thank Perez you. had the
1: long run too. Yeah, yeah.
0: So we read, so we read a bunch of that. I was the only person that read all of them. <laughs> so um, in the group, people would just pick and choose the ones that they thought looked interesting, and most people read the George Perez one, and they read um, I think Greg Rucka, um, but I read all of them. So I've seen the like many many takes of Wonder Woman origin stories. Um, the George Perez one by far was the most insane, like very hard 80s comic that you could ever think of and it's all about like they they push the bondage thing they push the the Greek gods thing and how like the first issue is mostly just the gods debating about like what they should do with these Amazons and um, the creation of Diana out of clay and oh man it's, it's really really cool like if you can get your hands on that George Perez run like it's huh. very graphic and in your face with a lot of the like Kind of, I guess, edgier things about Wonder Woman, but on the whole, it was like a really cool. Like these women are kicking ass; they are the true warriors. Like they are the true Amazons. It was really cool.
2: Did you read at all the in in that the Wonder Woman run that Michael, uh, gosh, his last name uh, Str- Straczynski, it looks like. Oh, J uh, Michael Straczynski. Yeah, did you read his at all?
0: Uh, no, I did not. I like that one because they give
2: her pants. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: Well, yeah, we we only, like, there was only so many that we could try to fit into, like, one month worth of reading. Um, So I read all of these issues. You know, I met Candy. I met you know her, like, two or three times in all the different instances. Um, And seeing all the different Greek mythology pieces that they tried to pull in for each different origin story was really interesting. So coming into this book, I knew a lot of the Greek mythology, like, as far as DC Comics were concerned. Right. And so, because I'd read that origin story probably three times at this point, um, and then seeing it play out here was kind of a little bit jarring because it was, um, you know, like you said, it was all ages and it was more... Um, it was like a new innocent take on Diana. So it was very refreshing. Like I would say out of all of them, this one was the most colorful and friendly <laughs> origin story you could get. Um, because they got rid of all of the bad, nasty shit that led up to why the Amazons exist and instead just focused on the creation of Diana, which I liked. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we can now we can get into the book now, I mean, and talk about it because <laughs> now you know where we're coming from at least. So um yeah, I don't know. The original or first takes, hot takes off of this book, what did you guys think? I think we've got some positive and negative pieces coming into it already.
1: It was not a superhero story, which is kind of the biggest yeah. surprise for me. Yeah, yeah I, same and here. I kind of appreciated it because of that. And um, you mentioned the Greek mythology being an important part of Wonder Woman, obviously. And this book really felt like a Greek myth in a strange way, where it is a story about a character who is, you know, their hubris is sort of what is their undoing, and then they overcome it. It is the traditional hero three-part act kind of thing, you know. Um, It felt very classic. So I think if you're someone that wants a Wonder Woman story without that baggage of the continuity, or maybe doesn't particularly like superhero-style stories, this might work for you. But if you're expecting the superhero Wonder Woman, it might not. So I do think... Uh, having the right approach to it like we were saying earlier will definitely affect how you enjoyed it
2: yeah I it definitely comes off as like a a Greek myth storybook kind of vibe like the lettering yes. and the art and in the way the tale is shaped um John from the Goodreads group said, I feel this version is more in line with the Greek mythology than makes up a huge part of Wonder Woman's background. There's more Aesop than Stanley in this tale. And I think that's exactly it, like you were talking (laughs) about. It's that very, you know, the hubris is the undoing, and you learn this lesson by the end. The character, like, understands and then is trying to rectify. So I think that's a solid point. And I think if I was going to recommend this to people, yeah, if you're not familiar with the character, but especially I have friends with kids and little girls at this point that – you know, you want to introduce some of the nerd stuff, but it can be kind of hard, like what's going to be appropriate, and I think this would be <laughs> a great one to give as a gift to a little girl.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of reading. I think there's a lot of dialogue in the book, but it does read a oh, lot. like I mean a, little,
2: like grade school or not, but yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm
0: just, I, what I'm getting at here, I guess like there's a lot of dialogue, but it's not written in such a way that you couldn't understand it if you were younger you know like there there, there's a point in the book where you've got you've got diana just like (laughs) being selfish and terrible and i was like that part goes goes on (laughs) (laughs) on. it gets it it was almost cringy but at the same time when you think about it right like children's books are written that way where you see a child not just be spoiled for a page they're spoiled for many many pages, and they do bad quote-unquote bad things or against their parents or whatever against their parents will you know for many pages and you're kind of like oh this is the bad child and they really hammer in that this is the bad child this is the thing you're not supposed to be doing because it made other people feel bad Um, and I Mm like that they they hammered that in though I was pretty surprised that that wasn't like like slapped out of her sorry that's a poor way to say that like that wasn't like uh like removed from her character earlier in the story and it wasn't until like the last we didn't do this uh, again full spoilers for this book
2: oh god we we always forget to say that we haven't we haven't spoiled anything yet
0: we haven't spoiled anything yet outside of the superhero thing but full spoilers for this book um they 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 didn't really, like Diana didn't grow as a character until really the like last bits of this book. Mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see her be a good person. You know, and then still make a mistake, like, and have her misdeeds come back to haunt her. You know, because in the story, they're, you know, they're talking about her growing and she becomes, you know, she's this selfish little girl. Um, but everyone's, for some reason, still loves her, which it's just like, that's
3: yeah, not how life works. Needed,
2: um, They needed more scenes. Like, they say a few times, um, oh, but she's so charming. She charms her way out of everything. But they only show it, like, with her mom once. And even in those, yeah. you're, like, kind of super annoyed with her and disgusted. And I feel like they needed at least a few times to show where...
0: She was, like, redeemable. Yeah,
2: exactly. The why these people put up with her at all and didn't just smack her.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting is that she is different from the rest of the Amazons. Right. Because she, you know, this is the version of the character where she's made out of clay and she has special powers and abilities. She doesn't have that same history that the rest of the Amazons did by going through the battles and their, their past that they share. And I think that's one of the reasons that they kind of look up to her and treat her differently. And it's also why, you know, the title is a bit misleading because... She's not "quote unquote" the true Amazon. She has to learn what it means to be Amazonian, right? And that's what I kind of liked. Being a kid's story, like that, or a mythological type story, where it's it's not the character you recognize as an adult. It's her as a young child growing up and her learning what it means to be a good person. And on one hand, that can be disappointing because you kind of want your heroes to be pure, especially a character like this, Wonder Woman. Right. On the other hand, it it I like that because it does explain, like, yeah, she's different from the rest of the Amazons, and what makes her great isn't her powers, it's a lesson she learns from being on the island.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Jen from the group said, I'm not a fan of Diana being led into heroism via trauma that she caused. How did you Mm -hmm. guys feel about that? Because I definitely, that gave me a little pause, too. But on the flip side, there's so many origin stories where she's led into heroism by discovering a dude. So it's like, (laughs) this might be better.
0: (laughs) <laughs> uh, to me, that that felt like a true hero's journey kind of thing. That yeah. was like a you you realize that the one thing that you you lost the one thing that you wanted, um, based on, because of your own selfishness, and therefore you have to atone for it. And I think that that's a big part of the hero the hero story to begin with, right? Like, look at Batman. What is Batman trying to do? What is Superman trying right. to do? What is Spider Man trying to do? They're all trying to atone for a sin that they committed and themselves wholly. They they could be completely to blame for that thing. You know, I, sorry, Batman's maybe not the best example because it's not <laughs> like he could have blocked a bullet or anything, but you know what I mean. Or He's but you still to, have
2: survivor's yeah. guilt. Sure.
0: Yeah, and maybe survivor's guilt is also part of it, right? They're trying to atone yeah. for something. Um, and in the case of Diana here, like, you know, she's trying to say, oh, shit, I let this person die because of my yeah, own selfishness. What was selfishness. her name,
2: the character's name? Uh-oh.
0: Aletheia? Aletheia. Alethea. Yeah.
2: Aletheia. yeah so, for, so for people who haven't read it and don't intend to and are still listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Full spoilers so, again. Full so spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone, uh, all the Amazons adore uh, Diana except uh, Alithea, who is just like, whatever, you're kind of spoiled and awful. And I do my own thing and I'm not impressed by you. And so, of course, she has to win her over because she can't have this person not be in love with her. And so she tries and tries and in her trying she eventually leads to this character's death and mm-hmm. through by by being selfish and ridiculous and releasing yeah. all these monsters during a chariot race or whatever <laughs> because yeah. that's what you do um to get in the lead. So that's when she like she realizes like the one the basically the one approval she didn't have and tried to get she lost forever and then she realizes like the her rash ways and all that stuff. So that, that's what they mean by being led to heroism via trauma she caused. <laughs> she like literally kills this character and then it's like oh shit.
0: Well indirectly <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I well, don't know. If you release
2: a bunch of monsters during a chariot race. That feels pretty directly tied to your actions. <laughs> like- sure,
1: sure. <laughs> She did cause it. Well, it's funny because as that was unfolding, and I kind of the story is very predictable, but it's not really a put down because no. m- myths are predictable. Yeah, they yeah. As it was unfolding, I had that moment where I was like, "Oh, this is just Spider-Man's origin because it's kind of like the same thing." <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. but. Oh but I do like this the way it plays out because once you realize and it again is pretty obvious that the character that dies in that chariot race is Mm Alethea I like that the way there's a weird subtlety subtlety to it despite it being very predictable is that they all but flat out say that there's a romantic attraction between Diana and Alethea it's
2: Schrodinger's gay again it's, yeah, it, there's it's so right many there's with <laughs> there
0: hold on <laughs> what is that Kate sorry can we uh, back up just for a second <laughs> like Schrodinger's
2: cat except where a character is both gay and not gay until you explicitly say so we're just going to hint endlessly but not say so that we don't offend the people that don't want that and we don't mm-hmm. and we can say we have content for people who do want it kind of thing it's
3: uh, it's I didn't make yeah. that up
2: that is the the the, the well used term for that kind of phenomenon it happens in TV sure. all the time too so okay but yeah it was definitely a prime example of that
1: it, it's very apparent that that's what's going on there um, wow I didn't and pick up also, on
0: that at all
2: <laughs>
1: <Jeez. Just Mike.
0: laughs>
2: she literally kisses her corpse
1: yeah. <laughs> see but like
0: I was like maybe that's just a Greek thing
2: <laughs> maybe they're just super <laughs> into kissing dead people
0: <laughs> I don't know I don't know the Greeks were weird
1: and then, yeah. And that's where <laughs> you had. Story. That's sorry. putting it subtly. I guess,
0: so. Sorry, Paul. I'm sorry. I totally derailed. That's a, it's all
1: right. Um, um, so you have that aspect to it. And then you also have everyone admires Alethea as. They call her the true Amazon because yeah. she had all the traits and characteristics and personality of what they admired in a person. Mm-hmm. And Alethea is a. a Derivation of the Greek word for truth. So it all kind of ties together, but it's not explicitly stated, even though there's a lot of, you know, obviousness to the story. And I kind of like the way at the end, Alethea's costume that she wears during the sporting events becomes Diana's Wonder Woman costume. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're able to explain why Wonder Woman wears, like, the stars, white, you know, stars and, you know, stripes, more or less, even though she's not American. Mm -hmm. They they kind of explain that in a nice way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was some there was some nice moments. I, I do appreciate like this is truly an all ages book in that regard. I think that that's like and and to go back to my blatant ignorance apparently. Um, I I think that the the whole like you know missing your you know missing someone who has died and trying to represent them in in you know in death um, by you know wearing her costume and stuff like that. Um, even this this whole thing of like like kissing this dead this corpse um, or kissing this woman you know after she's passed. Um, I think that that's something that you could even, you could show this story to a child and they would understand that because like, what do you do? You, you give your parents a hug and a kiss, you know, right. like if you care about someone, that's what you do. And even in death, like she cared about this person deeply, like whether it was a friendship, which is how I saw it, um, or which, whether it was romantic, um, which, which is how you guys took it. And I think that's probably the, the, the actual depiction. That's what they were going for. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's, that's still, like, a good story to say, like, you're trying to honor this person that you cared about so much in, in death by, you know, wearing their costume. And they, they do blatantly state, like, you must wear this now because to represent this person, so on and so <laughs> forth. But uh, I think, like, that's, that's a good story. Like, that's a story you'd want to give to someone who doesn't know uh, who, or you're trying to teach about right and wrong and to show why Diana um, or Wonder Woman is a character to look up to because she's <laughs> going to a tone she's gonna do the right thing after after the fact where she goes out um, one thing i will say i, I kind of wanted to see like a quick glimpse of her as a superhero afterwards like with the justice league or something like that if only to see jill thompson's take on that because her art is absolutely phenomenal like we should totally talk about the art just for the rest I, of yeah. the episode yes yes um thompson's watercolors like, are incredible yeah. Exactly. Like there were points where it didn't look necessarily watercolored, even though I I know that it was. Um, they were just such bold, rich colors. Like everything fell within lines, and there were really beautiful moments where you could see like the water kind of fading out the color when they showed like sunsets and stuff like that, or big open landscapes. Um, but yeah, this book, the the art is so top notch. Like I loved it. For me, getting to end it, I've seen Jill Thompson's other work. Um, I actually little side story, I actually met Jill Thompson one time in Chicago, oh. um, and I went to this drink and draw event, and I won a photo that she had drawn of her character, the witch, I can't remember what the book is called, um, it's absolutely beautiful, I have it sitting in, in a frame at my apartment. That's awesome. Um, and she's, she's a very That's nice great. lady, by the way, so I was very nice. excited to read this book, because she's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's one yeah. of Eisner's for her art, she she is just an incredible top-notch artist, so. Yeah. I, I was disappointed that how how many scenes where the narration boxes literally describe what's shown in the art page? Like it'll say Diana raced through the streets on top of an illustration of Diana racing through the streets.
3: And yeah, I'm like yeah. her
2: art is so good. You don't need even children don't need that on top of that. You know, like yeah. um and that kind that I was like, man, you're so good at at the art. Why are you throwing this on top of it? Um let the art speak for itself because Lord knows it can.
0: <laughs> yeah there it, it, it's Jen from the group she said I like the art though or, excuse me I like the art thought it was neat and whimsical more like a child's mythology or storybook than a comic book and I I totally agree with that this felt more like a like the art of a of a book that you would give to children rather than a comic as much as i know jill thompson is a very strong comic artist mm-hmm. um this totally worked and it could work as like a picture book you know to have a, st- sure. a bigger story alongside of actual imagery um kind of <laughs> like the, the the book you said you were reading before uh queer uh graphic history yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it definitely um, would make a good book like that and you know and Alex was saying from the group that it does a good job of keeping close to the Greek mythology of her beginnings without being trapped by them and I think that's well put like it as much as we're saying like oh it's very much the parable oh it's very much into the Greek myth and that storytelling stuff it isn't so married to it that it detracts from the story you know how some people try and go into that box like hard and then it really narrows what they can do I think that's a really well-made point that they they go there but don't don't seem constricted by it if that makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah I mean they still dropped in the golden girdle and they yeah. dropped in the you know the Heracles showing up and stuff like that like I thought the beginning part where they were on land and they were still interacting with the Greeks and and you know that was it's pretty cool I think that they, yeah. they tied in enough mythology to like give it its origin but then they stepped away and let the story become its own right um, right and yep. the thing that I really appreciate is, like, the, the, the Amazons were still living that, like, Greek lifestyle. Like, they still had, like, the pots and, and they were dressed in the, like, garb that you would expect, like, a Greek story to take place. I'm, like, I don't know anything about history. But when I think, like, <laughs> when I think of, like, oh, these people live in the time of the ancient Greeks. I'm like, oh, that's what they'd be wearing, robes and things like that. And, <laughs> and everybody, you know, everything was super colorful. And, like, um, and I think when people talk about Greek mythology or they talk about the history, they talk about how colorful things were. Um, and I think that that was definitely expressed in this book. There was so much color throughout this whole story. Yeah. Like not every single yeah. page was an eyeful, like you could take it in and it's like, you almost do yourself a disservice if you read it digitally like I did in Guided View, because you really got to take in the whole page. Um, and I, I really want to see this book in print because I'm sure that the colors just pop right out.
2: Yeah, I purposely turned yeah. off Guided View because the they did such a nice job with that, so.
0: Totally. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. I was really interesting in the back of the book. They have a few like process sketches that mm-hmm. Thompson did explaining it, and she did some character sketches. But she mentions that she didn't use any inks. She just watercolored over her pencils. And I went back and looked, and like you can really tell that there's not a lot of black inks on these pages. Literally, there's none. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it is just pencils and watercolors, and I think that makes it a lot more vibrant. And it just pops off the page. I actually liked reading it on my iPad because the colors were very bright and vibrant that way. Yeah. I I wonder what the translation would be if once they printed it, if they wouldn't pop as much. But it's a beautiful looking book. And Jill Thompson, you know, obviously she has a whole illustrious career. But this book is a great example of her ability to tell a story visually, which, I mean, you've already mentioned, Kate, that some of the dialogue feels unnecessary because of that. Yeah. But... I mean, the action sequences with the the chariot race and the monsters, all the variety of monsters that she drew, it's just, it's, yeah, visually stunning. And I really took my time to read and enjoy every page.
2: She does a very nice job. Watercolor can be very hard with comics showing motion. It can get very muddied and yeah, sure. I, I i read a lot of watercolor comics because that's like my achilles heel i just i'm like watercolors. <laughs> tell me more okay i yeah, bought it already matt, <laughs> matt
0: kent jeff lemire anyone I mean, yep, yep. On. <laughs>
2: and so the it seems like a consistent place where people get bogged down is showing action scenes without it getting really confusing and she does an incredible job of that with her action sequences yeah. they're never hard to follow
1: exactly yeah yeah and she even makes a point where i can't remember what, who created what creator told her this but someone basically told her complimented her on art and says it looks like you're actually making a comic with paint and mm-hmm. not just painting a comic book yeah and that's a really there's well, a big difference there
2: well made point yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah the, the, this book you know i i really appreciate like the the one thing that i, I liked about this book is that i felt like most of the characters were very distinct. Yes. Like, there was character, like, she yes. does a fantastic job with faces and, like, in like, body sizes and shapes and stuff. Uh, of course, everyone's, a, like, an Amazon, so they're all, like, you know, thin, thin women and stuff like that because they're all warriors who work out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, you could definitely tell each character apart up until the end where they were purposefully supposed to be an, an, an anonymous. I'll just mm-hmm. say that <laughs> word. And... <laughs> Uh, my mouth is not working today I'm sorry Uh, so I thought that was really really interesting because like you would see a lot of these pages where you've got Diana next to her mother and you can kind of see that they're related even though this child was made out of clay I think that uh, Thompson did a great job of trying to depict like yes this is mother-daughter like even though she (laughs) created her out of clay and Zeus you know gave the child life um, they are related and even when you so when you saw you know Uh, Diana next to um, Elethea—you could distinctly tell them apart, not just by hair color, um, but by facial shape, and like they were different-sized people. Yeah, Um, and I thought that like that's Mm -hmm. super important when it comes to a comic where it's just a bunch of women, you know. And we were talking about the X-Men earlier, and you put four redheads in a line, you don't know which one is which. Um, Whereas Thompson, like even when she had people with you know darker hair or lighter hair, you could distinctly tell that they were all individual people. Um, Like that moment when in the bar where. Um, the older woman is getting drunk and she's talking about all these different things um, like each of the women that were at the table were distinct individuals they didn't just seem to be like the reshaping of the, of the same person over and over which you really really got to appreciate that in comics sometimes. Like Thompson she spent <laughs> yes. a lot of time making sure that these people were all detailed individuals and they all were named when I mean a lot of them were named and they had different roles to play um, it wasn't just like Diana's story with a bunch of supplementary characters they all of these people were supposed to be important individuals and they were drawn as such and that's something you don't see in a lot of comics. I'll, I'll just Especially say. Especially for
2: Amazons, <laughs> man. They often get basically just the, the stereo, like, just it's an Amazon stamp. You just make a bunch of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does a good job when she's illustrating them in different ways, too, of you can tell from their depiction kind of personality traits, which without them looking like caricatures which sometimes is how that goes. But like, oh, mm-hmm. this one's clearly the more outgoing, open one, and this one's the kind of surly one, and this one, you know, like that kind of thing. So yeah. I thought that was very nicely done.
0: Yeah, this is this is a pretty solid book. I mean, I think ultimately, like, if we had to say, like, what were some things that we didn't like out of the book... Um, The only thing for me would probably, like I said, I wanted to see a classic shot of Wonder Woman with the other superheroes just to see Thompson's take on the other superheroes just for a moment um, to show like the Trinity or show like Justice League. There, I mean, the, this, the quote unquote simplicity of the story and it being like a mythology story, um, didn't really rub me the wrong way. Like I ultimately knew the end of this book, she's going to be Wonder Woman. So we got to get to that point. Um, so (laughs) that, but I don't think that that detracted from anything. I think we got some really interesting story points, um, we got to see Diana be a hero before she was actually Wonder Woman. You know, like she's (laughs) going through or Theramyskia, I don't know how to say the name of the island. I've always Um, said it
2: Thymyskria, and then I saw the movie and they pronounced it differently. They pronounce it Mm -hmm. Thymiskira, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've spent like 20 (laughs) years pronouncing it in my head, Thymiskira, so clearly that's the way it's supposed to be.
0: Well, We'll we'll call it Paradise Island for simplicity Because I think that's why DC changed the name In the first place Um, So as she's going through this island where The gods had supposedly left all these treasures And all these different things we got to see her Be heroic and try to like you know Save the day she would protect people and she was You know trying to enrich her society By going out and finding these old artifacts And stuff Um, so we we did get to See a lot of action in this book even though it wasn't A quote unquote Wonder Woman story Uh, I really appreciated that and to go back To what Kate was saying you know um we definitely were able to tell it was an action sequence, which was nice. But I did want to <laughs> see, you know, a little bit, just a little, just a smudge of, yeah. of Wonder Woman. That's all.
2: Yeah. I think for me, the two big things were, like, like I said, I was biased coming in that I have a very particular version of the character I like, and this is a different version. So I was a little biased against that. And then all the times where the, the narration is explaining what's happening in the panel, And you Mm kind of get that double Mm -hmm. thing. Those are those are the two things that bugged me, and one of them isn't the book's fault. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah, Uh, yeah. I don't know if I have too much to really nitpick. I actually really enjoyed the book overall. I think having, I I think going in, not really knowing that was going to be a pre. Quote, unquote Wonder Woman type story. I kind of wanted maybe some more of the adult Wonder Woman mm-hmm. as a character. And the, yeah, like Mike said, maybe just, hey, hey, maybe throw Batman in there on one page, right? Just sort out with Batman. Maybe <laughs> too much to ask. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm kidding, really. I mean, I, I think it's a fantastic book. I think. I, I My one hesitation with recommending it, though, might be if you do want a superhero type story, this isn't going to scratch that itch for you. Yeah. Totally. Um, totally. And it, it also is one, it's a very definitive ending. It would have been nice to maybe see, maybe selfishly to see Jill Thompson do some more of these types of stories. That might it may happen down the road, but I, I kind of wanted even more of that, her take on the character. So. Totally. Yeah. That's not really a complaint. That's kind yeah, of a That's a
2: okay. yeah, I, that's the best complaint to have about a book is I wish there was more of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right, well we're, we're going to wrap up here I think. I think we've we've talked enough about this story. You should go out and read it. It's totally fantastic. If you can get a hardcover of it, take some pictures, let us know if it's just as beautiful as we've described it in digital. Um, but otherwise to, to before we we go into the full credits of the show, I want to shout out to Duncan for sending me text messages over the last couple weeks talking about how much he loves Riverdale now because of me from listening to the show. And there's a bunch of art jokes in the sto- in the show that I didn't catch, so thank you for pointing those out. Now I have to go back and watch, rewatch season one. So thanks, Duncan, for listening, and to Danny and James who comment on our what have we been reading posts like every week on Twitter. Like I get a big list from them. That's super awesome. And to everyone in the Goodreads group for being fantastic and voting for these books and participating every single week. But one final announcement. We are taking a break. This is the last episode until the end of July. So we're going to be taking the month of July off. Um, We'll be doing a Goodreads read. So make sure to go on to Goodreads and comment and like and all that different stuff out there. But we will be doing four mini-sodes for the month of July. So they'll just be short 30-minute episodes. uh, And then we'll be back in August for the Goodreads book of the month for the month of July.
2: Yeah, voting for that is open right now. So if you want to help pick that, uh, it's open until the end of the month.
0: To the end of June. And then we'll be actually having the discussion and stuff online once people read it. So. For this show, uh, let's. I'll let you guys plug yourself since we're doing this totally new credits thing. Kate, who are you? Where can people find you on the Internet?
2: I'm Kate. I'm on Twitter at Jesus. I don't even know what my own Twitter handle is. Is it Kate Scotchless?
0: It's your name. It's, it's your name. I think it's
2: just my name. OK, I'm on Twitter at Kate Scotchless and you should just find IRCB podcast and look me from there because Scotchless is hard to spell. Yeah, Kate's
0: Twitter will also be in the show notes. Yeah. Paul, who are you on the Internet? What's what's up with you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at poly. That's poly, Paulie. that's polly p a u l i e i'm on there um you can also if you want to hear me talk about professional wrestling you can listen to my other podcast which is Spike Pile Driver a professional wrestling podcast me and my tag team partner Mean Matt Forbush talking about all sorts of wrestling over there we're on Twitter at @spikepilepod and uh, i think that's it
0: well, you know, your show, your show. So, do you guys have like special names for you set, for each other? You call yourself just Paul or well, are you something uh, else?
1: Well, I'm Paul E. Jacely, which is, of course, a reference to Paul E. Dangerously, the legendary <laughs> professional wrestling manager, also known as Paul Heyman. Uh, and then it's Mean Matt Forbush. Um, so, it's a show we talk about stuff we've been watching similar to this show, and then we break down, um, you know, our thoughts about professional wrestling. Um, So we do about two episodes a month. So if you're looking for something different to check out, there you go.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Rappin. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm like all over the internet as Mike Rappin for the most part. Um, You can also follow the show at IRCB Podcast where we retweet stuff and we post polls. Um, This week's poll was... Batwoman or Wonder Woman that's the question Um, and you can vote there's four (laughs) answers go out there and check that out Um, and then I post the results usually on Thursday or early Friday and then we post a new poll so we have got week-long polls that go out on Fridays that's super cool Um, and I retweet random stuff um, that I find on the internet that I think is funny um, regarding comic books um, you can also join the Goodreads group Like Kate said, she runs that shit She's like the hardest working motherfucker that I know um, She's on Goodreads all the time 24-7, uh,
2: 365
0: Yeah, she skips her birthday and everything And uh, so you can uh, You can join that You can vote for for the reads that we're going to do Or the book of the month that we do on the show As well as talk with a bunch of other Really cool folks about comic books What you've been reading, you can talk about the show there You can talk about all sorts of other stuff um, And yeah, there's the the Book of the month vote is open as kate said
1: yeah and there's also our website for the show uh, which is ircb.us we post links to every episode so you can share those we also post show notes so if you forget which books we read which (laughs) books were picked for the week there's a list there and then every i think tuesday afternoon there's a list of our uh, pull lists for that week so you can find out all the other stuff we're reading
0: yeah, and you can also check out our subreddit, ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com, which right now is kind of just like a feed where all of our episodes get posted. So if you are a big Reddit user and you want to just follow along and comment on the episode, you can go there. But I also try to find comic articles that I think are interesting and post them on there as well.
2: So if you like the show and you like us and you want to help out please rate subscribe and tell your friends we are super close to 50,000 downloads and we are so excited to get there so man tell everyone uh, rating us on whatever service you use is astronomically helpful because of the way the, the sorting algorithms work for podcasts so if you like us rate us and tell your friends. You can also email your hate hate letters to Mike at IRCB <laughs> at It's really important to let him know everything he said that's wrong
0: yes also if you you know of cool stuff or you want to just reach out directly to us rather than commenting publicly yeah you know (laughs) also that not just hate mail
2: um elicit photos whatever you want he will take it
0: I will the only dick pics I will will accept are of Dick Grayson I'll just say that first um I guess the last bits of the show, Infinity Shred does all the music. They are the best band in the universe. You can find them on Bandcamp, .bandcamp infinityshred.bandcamp.com, as well as on their website, infinityshred.com. Xander, he's a wizard. He's the best. He also edits this show. He's the absolute best person in the world. Um, He makes sure that this show sounds great. He's fantastic. and I just want to say thank you. I guess the last thing I'll say is thank you for listening to the show. As always, we appreciate those of you who listen and reach out and want to send stuff to us and talk to talk comic books about us. Um, send us an email. Go on Goodreads. Send us a tweet. Do anything. Get a hold of us. We want to talk to you about comic books. And thank you so much for listening and sharing the show. It means so much to us that you listen and, you know, for us ramble for an hour or so every week. <laughs> So for I Read Comic Books and Kate and Paul, thank you for listening. We will check you next week.